1: And welcome back to the next section of today's show which is going to talk about game wreckers and i think this is a huge huge part of this game guys i'm gonna i'm gonna break it down why i think that's the case i i look at this game and i think about the the rivalry of of how the game is pl- the game has played out in past years and i think of the 2015 game and i and i just think of the the things that led to Clemson winning that game. You know, and you and you you talk about Notre Dame's what how was I mean Clemson outplayed Notre Dame in a lot of ways, but what was the difference? You no, know, Notre Dame had some game records that could go make plays. You think of CJ Procise going for a 56-yard wheel route for a touchdown. You had Chris Brown made a big play. You know, Will Fuller finally got loose for a big play to help Notre Dame win that game. And then Deshaun Watson made a couple plays with his legs in that game. He only threw for 84 yards, but he ran for 93. In that game. But then you look at the defense and you think of just the big pressures that their front had that game. When you think of you know their ability to to make make turnovers, force turnovers from Notre Dame. You know, game wrecker stepped up and made those kind of game-wrecking plays. When you think of 2018, what kept Notre Dame in that game? Some of their game wreckers on defense were able to step up and make big plays, but at the end of the day, it was the game wreckers on offense that were the difference. Game wreckers are guys as i said before that can just take over a game. That you need a big play, they make it. You need someone to make a big stop, they make it. You need guys to not just make a play, but take a game over from i'm going to make a lot of plays. You know, i'm going to put a team on my shoulders and say, "Hey, i got this. I'm going to will this team to victory." I mean, you go all the way back to you know the 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 1988 game against against Miami Why did Notre Dame win that game? They had guys step up and make money plays. You think of Frank Stams with the big force, you know, forcing the sack. You think of Rocket getting a big play. You think of Tony Rice making big runs. You think of, you know, all types of different parts of that game where guys stepped up and made game-changing plays, but then also guys could take games over. You know, that Rocket was a game wrecker. Obviously, that's an easy one. But you think of Brady Quinn and what he was able to do. Jeff Samarjan, Mostoval Stovall as a unit in, in 2005. To be a great team, you need game wreckers. And when you look at this matchup, same thing. 2018, Notre Dame's playing Clemson to a draw. It's a 9-6 game until, until the last two minutes of the half. Why? Notre Dame lost one of their game changers on one of their game records. Julian Love. And so what did Clemson do? They went right at the Notre Dame defense. 42-yard touchdown pass to Justin Ross. Then you had another big, you know, had another touchdown drive that got set up by a long play by Hunter Renfro, which also was a, a mistake on the corner to that side. He was replacing Julian Love. And then Travis Etienne put the game away with a 62 yard run. Their game wreckers made more plays than Notre Dame's game wreckers. You go to the 2020 regular season game, the Notre Dame won. What was the big reason for that? Kyron Williams, big time player, 65 yard touchdown run, you know, to set things up for Notre Dame. You think of J- Jeremiah Moa. Uh, taking a ball from Travis Etienne and running it back 23 yards for a touchdown. Next series, he forces a fumble on third down. Notre Dame gets it, kick a field goal. They were able to have those, those type of moments. That's what led to it. Get into overtime, second overtime. Notre Dame's D-line took the game over. You have a big sack from Dalen Hayes and Adi Tagumba Adi Ogandiji on back-to-back plays. Ends that game. That you know Any chance Clemson had at, at trying to score again in overtime with it being 47-40, eliminated because Notre Dame's Game Wreckers made more plays than Clemson's. That was a big part of that game.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: But what happened when they had a rematch a month later? What happened? Clemson's game wrecker showed up. Their ultimate game wrecker, who was Trevor Lawrence, he was there. And he made huge plays in that game. He hits Amari Rogers. Notre Dame's actually up in that game. He hits Amari Rodgers for a 67-yard touchdown. He hits E.J. Williams for a 33-yard touchdown. And then Travis Etienne puts the game away before halftime with a 44-yard touchdown run. In any inkling of hope that Notre Dame thought they might have, Trevor Lawrence ends with a 34-yard touchdown run. Game wreckers. Then what happens last year when these two teams play? Notre Dame's – what was – you could say it's an individual player, but it went even beyond that. Notre Dame's punt team – was a game wrecking unit last year with blocked kicks. How does that game get started? What's the first score of that game? It's that right there. It's it's the blocked punt for a touchdown. And then Notre Dame gets a you know who else who else were their game wreckers last year when they were on the running backs. They took that game over. The offensive line, game wreckers. When they were on, they were game wreckers. Took over that game. And then, any in, in, but then who else was Notre Dame's game wrecker in November last year? Benjamin Morrison's a game wrecker. He wrecked that game for sure. That's what put him on the map. Not just the pick six to put the game away, but Notre Dame's first offensive touchdown was, or second offensive touchdown, excuse me, the, the drive that made it 21 to nothing was a 14 yard drive that was set up by Benjamin Morrison picking off Cade Klubnik. And, and they had a pressure that allowed him to take it off. So, you look at it, folks, and, and every time these two teams have played, the team that won is a team who's, who had guys step up and just take over the game. And the best players usually, even Ian Book, right, who I've, you, you all know I have my issues with Ian Book and, and some of the things he did. But in that 2020 game against Clemson in the regular season, Ian Book played like what a lot of people thought he was, made big plays with his arm made big plays with his legs, put the team on his shoulders. He has a fumble that was hugely detrimental in that game with Notre Dame driving, fumbles the ball, puts it on the ground, allows Clemson to get back in. So what does he do in response? Big time throw to Avery Davis, runs around, finds Avery Davis for a touchdown, goes in overtime, makes plays, right? He stepped up and made those plays, hitting downfield shots to Javon McKinley in 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 the ACC title game. He wasn't making those plays and Notre Dame lost, right? So, Your your top guys step up in the regular season. Kyron steps up, Javon McKinley steps up, and Ian Book stepped up. You get into the postseason, and those guys are nowhere to be found. Not all their fault. I mean, Javon was getting open. He just wasn't getting the ball. Ian didn't play like that, like a game wrecker. Kyron couldn't get going. But the D-line for Clemson stepped up and took over that game. Right, And and so every time you look at these games, it's the same thing. In this matchup, it's the team whose money players make the most money plays that wins the game every single time they've played. So who are those players for Notre Dame? And who are those players for Clemson? And how is it going to impact the game? And that's what I'm going to discuss here. Let's start on the Notre Dame offense because I think this is the side of the ball that most of you are are, are understandably concerned about, rightfully concerned about, in my opinion. And when you think of who the game wreckers are for Notre Dame, Notre Dame's best quote unquote game wrecker on offense this year, spin, so I should say quote unquote best, most productive and all these type of things, is Audric Estime. Right? He's been the guy that does it week after week after week. Who's their second best game wrecker on the season? Volumes not as much, but has the most big plays. It's Chris Tyree. Here's the problem with them as being the game wreckers. They're both dependent on somebody else. To to for their success, Audric Estime, as good as he is, needs the offensive line to play well. He needs Sam Hartman to play well to take the pressure off of him. Chris Tyree needs the place to be called for him, which haven't always been there, and he needs Sam Hartman to throw the ball. He needs the offensive line to make the th- make the throw. So you've got skill players that have a chance to take this game over. Audric Estime showed last year he can rip Clemson up. He did it last season. I mean, him and Audric, him and Logan Diggs were were monsters last season in this game. Audric last year rushed for 104 yards on 18 carries. Logan rushed for 114 yards on 17 carries. They were very good in this game. And and Chris Tyree had 52 yards on nine touches last year. Uh, two he had two catches on the perimeter, two screens in the perimeter that went for 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 good gains. And so when you are looking at this matchup, you need those guys to make plays. You need Audrick to make big runs. If the holes are there, he's got to hit them. If he's got a one-on-one, he's got to make somebody miss, either by running them over or running around them or making them miss. You know, when Chris Tyree, he's going to only get three, four chances in this game to really wreck it because he doesn't get targeted a whole lot. When it happens, he's got to run the right route. He's got to play with, use his speed. He's got to make the catch, right? Against USC, Chris Tyree had a chance to wreck the game, and he wrecked it. Against uh, Pitt, he had a chance to wreck the game, and he wrecked it. Against Louisville, he had a similar opportunity, and he didn't make that play. And so that's going to be a big part of Notre Dame's success in this football game. My wife uh, was very kind to take a break from her work and make me tea, because I told her I was uh, my, my voice was going. So it's very appreciated. Game wreckers in this game have to step up and wreck the game, but they're going to need their help. Notre Dame's offensive line has not been like last year's unit. It hasn't been. It's been good at times. But even if you think of what it's been at their best, it hasn't been what last year's offensive line was when it it was at its best. And we can have a – and we will have an offseason discussion about why that is. And is it a talent thing? Is it an experience thing? Is it a coaching thing? Is it a little bit of all of that? You know, three of your five starters are the same guys as last year. Your other two are not, but those other two guys replaced a fifth and a sixth year senior. That's an experience thing. But that should be balanced a little bit by the fact that your three other starters are back. You've got talent there, but you haven't been as good. You know, this year, when you look at Notre Dame's rush offense in nine games, they have two games of over 200 yards. Last year, through nine games, I'm looking at it right now. They had five games of over 200 yards. You know, last year the Notre Dame rush, uh, the Notre Dame offense had four games of at least 260 yards, and they had let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six games of at least 234 yards. This year's run game, their best of the season is 236. Their next best mark is 221, and that was against an FCS team. Notre Dame has not gone over 180 yards, much less 200 yards, since the Central Michigan game back in the middle of September. So a a lot of that is because of the offensive line. And the offensive line has been disappointing, to say the least. Notre Dame has not rushed for five yards per carry, five yards per rush or more as a team. Since that Central Michigan game, the best they've had is 4.97 against Duke. And and that was aided by two long runs on the final drive of the game. So when you look at Notre Dame and and for Audrick to be a game wrecker, it's going to require the offensive line to play their best game of the season. That is a matchup that is hugely important in this game. Audrick and Sam have a chance to wreck this game. And with Sam throwing to Tyree, throwing to Jaden Greathouse, throwing to Tobias Merriweather, throwing potentially to Holden Stace and Eli Raritan and the running backs out of the backfield, he can wreck them. He has proven in his career that he can wreck Clemson. He did it last year, 20 of 29, 336 yards, six touchdowns. You're not going to be able to convince me that the talent level around him was better than what it is at Notre Dame. It was more experienced, but it wasn't better. Marcus Freeman's talked about needing to be aggressive. They have to be aggressive, but being aggressive doesn't work if your offensive line can't give you time to throw. And Sam has actually prevented a lot of sacks this year by getting rid of the football. If you go back and look at the pass, he, the long pass he threw to Chris Tyree got hit as soon as he threw the ball. He made that play. Now I, I would say you know maybe he threw it a second later. You, you can make that. But I don't think so. But he got the ball out. He's got to be willing to be aggressive. But all, all this is going to come down to the offensive line. Joe Waltz, your leader. He's your captain. Blake Fisher has been wildly up and down this season. He was great against Ohio State. You need him to look at this game as a, as a chance for him to prove himself. Zeke Carell is not a captain, but he's a leader. You need him to be ready to play the best game of the season. This unit has to be, has to be good. If this Notre Dame offense is going to be successful, because I truly believe that Notre Dame has the personnel on offense to do damage against Clemson, not 40 points per game damage, but to get to 28, 35 type points offensively. They have the ability to do it, but it's going to come down into the trenches and why that matters is because Clemson's best game wreckers, in my opinion, are in their front seven. And that's the part of this matchup that's going to be very, very interesting in this particular game. So when you look at Clemson, eight and a half tackles for loss from TJ Parker, Tamorian Parker who's a true freshman, big time, top hundred recruit. He was in my top hundred as well. Jeremiah Trotter, eight and a half tackles for loss. Bear Carter, linebacker, six and a half tackles for loss. Rook Arororo, five and a half tackles for loss. Right, look at their sacks, right? TJ Parker, four sacks per game. Ruka Roro Row, three sacks per game. Or three sacks on the season. Excuse me. They're I said per game. It's not per game. That'd be a phenomenal season. Uh four sacks on the season. And and so when you when you look at it, the big reason why their rush defense is so good is because they're very disruptive, because they have game wreckers up front. Tyler Davis when he's on, could be a game wrecker. He can be very disruptive up front. Rook can be very uh, effective up front. When you look at um, uh, Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter against downhill running teams, if you're just going to run inside zone and duo and all those things all day, you're playing right into Jeremiah Trotter's hands. So what does that mean? You, can you not run those things? Of course you have to run those things. But you need to be dominant up front so that you're not allowing the defensive line to reset the line of scrimmage in your favor. So when you talk about the ultimate game record in this game, it's going to be right there. It's going to be the Notre Dame offensive line. Because if the Notre Dame offensive line comes out and does you know plays like it did against Ohio State, plays like it did against Clemson last year, then Notre Dame will win this football game. There's not a doubt in my mind because I believe that they they have the skill players, and we're starting to see more and more and more of Sam Hartman trusting some of those skill players, and that's a big part of this. That's a big part of of Notre Dame's success in recent seasons or recent games is because Sam Hartman is starting to finally kind of show a little bit more faith in his in his skill players. You know, we saw it with Chris Tyree last week. We saw it. You know, again with Chris Tyree against USC. We saw it. Hopefully we can it continues with Tobias Merriweather last week. So you're 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 gonna have to have those guys step up and be game wreckers. And coming into the USC game, Chris Tyree hadn't been over 28 yards receiving since the Central Michigan game. Right. So he was not a game wrecker in the in those periods. Partly his fault, which the drop against Louisville, but then also partly because Sam Hartman just wasn't looking for him. I, I documented on the on the Irish breakdown message board in my in my breakdown after the game. There's five or six times Chris Tyree was open down the field for potential big plays against Ohio State. Sam Hartman never looked at him. Uh, and part of that was time. He needed more time. And so to me, the offensive line plays well. Sam and Chris have finally found a connection. Maybe you can see you know, Sam and Tobias develop a little bit more of a connection after the play that happened last week. And all of a sudden, boom, no Dame's got a chance to, to have some game workers on the perimeter. But that only happens... If the offensive line plays well. So when you want to talk about game records, that's got to be the ultimate game record for the nername offense. And the Clemson defense, that means that you've got to play well because if the nername offense plays at a high level, that means you neutralize their studs in the front seven, just like you did last year. They had Brian Bercy, who was a first-round pick, Miles Murphy, who's a first-round pick, plus all and KJ Henry, who I believe got drafted last season. Let me just check on that. I could I could be incorrect on that, but I thought KJ Henry got, yeah, fifth round pick. So they lost three drafted players from last year's D-line. Notre Dame's offensive line lost Jarrett Patterson, who went undrafted, and Josh, L- or excuse me, he was drafted in, uh, what, fifth round? Jarrett Patterson was the fifth, uh, fifth fifth round pick, correct? Let me go look that up. Jarrett Patterson was a sixth round pick. So you had they had three defensive linemen drafted higher than your highest drafted offensive lineman. Josh Lug went undrafted. That's what you lost. They lost two first round picks and a fifth round pick from their starting lineup. Now they're still pretty good, but you've got your All American back. You've got a returning center back. You've got a big a stud at right tackle when he wants to be at right tackle back. This is, there's no excuse for Notre Dame's offensive line not to be on their game. It's got to be coached right and they got to play with a little bit of fire. That's going to be the big key. And if they do that, they can somewhat neutralize it. The other game wreckers for Clemson to me are the corners. And one of the fascinating parts about this is, is, I'm going to talk about that for both teams, and I wanted to hold on to it from here and not talk about it in the matchup part because I could have talked about it there. Part of the reason both of these teams are so good at defending the pass is because they have great corner tandems. Now, I would argue that Notre Dame has more talent at corner. Notre Dame has more production at corner than the others, but as far as like yards against, the numbers are very, very similar. Nate Wiggins and Cam Hart have almost identical numbers. Sheridan Jones and Benjamin Morrison have almost identical numbers from the standpoint of, um, you know, like completions allowed, yards allowed, things along those lines. Where the Notre Dame guys have advantages is when it comes to disruptive plays, mainly because of Benjamin Morrison, uh, because Cam Hart doesn't have a ton of those type of plays this season. Cam Hart has yet to to make an interception this year, partly because they don't throw at him. And when you look at Cam, he has three pass breakups. So he has three. Benjamin has six, so that's nine. And then, of course, Benjamin has three interceptions, two interceptions, so that's 11. So Notre Dame's corners have 11 passes defensed. And when you look at um, Clemson, Nate Wiggins has four. And let's see let's see where Sheridan is on this one. Give me a second. Sheridan Jones has one. That's five. And then I believe they only have one interception each. On offense. So they have, yes, one interception each. Now, Nate Wiggins took his interception back for a touchdown. So that obviously is something you have to avoid. They did that against Florida Atlantic, but Notre Dame's corners are a lot more disruptive on the ball. But Clemson's kids are very sticky in coverage they remind me of a of, of a lot of the Louisville corners. And we know the kind of struggles that Notre Dame had against the Louisville corners. So that's their game wreckers, Notre Dame's receivers. Can they neutralize that? Because part of this matchup is, is identifying who your game wreckers are. And then they've got to play like it. It's also about identifying who the other team's game wreckers are and neutralizing it. And so that's why Jaden Thomas, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, Tobias Merriweather are going to be huge in this game If there's ways that you can get Chris Tyree matched up against their corners in certain situations, get him on the run, get him on the move. It's going to be important. There's going to have to be aspects of that. So the Notre Dame receivers who have not been game wreckers most of the year need to make sure that they can do a better job neutralizing the Clemson corners better than they did against Louisville. So perfect example, Notre Dame comes out against Louisville, boom, 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 three straight plays, first down, you're you're in Louisville territory or you're on the verge of being on it, and all of a sudden, boom, pick. Why? Because their corner, and we talked about how good their corners were going in, completely outplays Rico Flores for the football. Completely outplays him for the football. Interception. Can't allow that to happen in these games. In this game. Can't allow it to happen. So if the Notre Dame receivers can neutralize the Clemson corners, then that's where Notre Dame will have a chance to really be effective in this game. Let's go to the opposite side and look at it from the other other side of the ball. Notre Dame has a lot more game records on defense right now, proven game records than it does on offense. And it begins, to me, with the middle of the line of scrimmage. Howard Cross and Riley, and Riley Mills, as a duo, have been outstanding this season and and have been really, really disruptive, talented players. And And even though the numbers don't necessarily blow you away, the 2D tackles have combined for eight tackles for loss this season – Uh, If you look at Clemson starting defensive tackles and and Rook Roe, Roe, and Tyler Davis, they've combined for eight and a half in one fewer game. But when you look at this disruptiveness just on a play-by-play basis, the ability to dominate at the point of attack, Notre Dame's interior guys have, have, to me, have, have been better and more disruptive, even though the numbers don't show it. Clemson has had issues in the middle with their offensive line. Now, Will Putnam's a good football player, but the other guys that they have um have had issues they've had to bench their right tackle uh Marcus mays this year because he's had he had issues and, and it was a little banged up too but he's he had some issues they had to move their offensive line all around in order to figure out a, a combination that works I think I believe that the uh NC state game was the first one where they were able to um get those guys in the field in those new spots so it was Tristan lee's first game at right guard and it was uh, Colin Sadler's first game at left tackle. So you, you, you've had, you've got a bit of a new look on in that group. So, um, that, (laughs) I got my wife flowers and she just showed them to me. She's all happy. So you gotta understand she never interrupts the show unless I ask her to bring me a drink. So that means she's in a very good mood right now. So go me. Um, but, um, and she just got out of a meeting and saw him. So sorry for the, sorry for the interruption, but, uh, duty called, but when you when you look at this matchup you know Colin Sadler got his first start this past weekend but he's played a lot of football you know, he he played 74 snaps this past weekend he'd played 31 45 37 31 34 32 and 25 in previous games so he he has played he's not, he's not a kid he's a, like I said he's a redshirt freshman he's not a kid that has just not played at all this season and he but he gave up four pressures in the game against NC State including a hit on the quarterback against Miami two sacks and a hit in the game. So, you know, you're going to need your edge players to to be effective. But when you look on the inside, you know, that's an area where Notre Dame is going to have to really take advantage and and really be just impactful in this game and take this game over. Because if you allow the Clemson run game to get going, you're going to have a much tougher time stopping Clemson. The best way to keep the run game from getting going is to dominate up the middle. And that's where it's going to be important. And then also in the pass game, you have to be disruptive. You have to get Cade Klubnik running outside where he gets dangerous and when he's able to tuck it and get upfield. When he starts running outside, he tend, he'll he make some plays with his legs, but he tends to make really bad decisions when he's scrambling outside. And Notre Dame is going to have to be effective there. Will uh, Marcus Tate has not been a guy that's given up a lot of pressures this year. He's, he's only given up four all season. Uh, when you look at uh, Tristan Lee, He's only given, he didn't give up any pressures this past week at guard against NC State. He played really well at guard against NC State. When you look at Will Putnam, he's given up seven pressures on the season. That's less than one a game, but three in the last three games, no sacks, no hits. So the interior has been uh, the two, the two guys that are still, that are going to, the three guys that are going to be starting have been much better players. They've been less, They've given, up, they've given up less dif- disruptive numbers. So Notre Dame's interior is going to have to play better. The guy that was the problem for them was Mitchell Mays. He had given up 22 pressures this season. He gave up eight pressures against Miami alone. That's what got him benched. He'd given up three sacks and four hits on the quarterback. That's where teams were able to exploit Clemson's offense. He wasn't any better in the run game either. He was not a good run blocker, not a good pass blocker. He really struggled. He's out of the game. And this past week, you know, they, they kind of spent some time getting that unit going. This is not going to be their second game in a row together. You cannot allow them to get going. You absolutely cannot allow them to get going. And that's, that's my, my concern for this game is that right there. Notre Dame's game records have been up the middle. You can't allow Clemson to neutralize them with their new look interior offensive line. That's going to be a big part of this game. Maris Leofow has been a game record for Notre Dame at times. When he is on his game, he is a game record. Their is going to have to make sure that he continues being that player. He's a guy that has a chance to uh, make a lot of plays in the run game, make plays in the pass game. We saw that last week. They're going to need him to step up and be to be to be a game wrecker. But he is his his ability to be a game wrecker. is a lot like on offense. Audrick Estime can't be a game wrecker unless the line plays well. Maris and J.D. Bertrand can't be game wreckers unless the defensive line plays well. That's why the focus is on Riley Mills and Howard Cross. And if now, if a defensive end, Patelho, Javante, Burnham, whoever steps up and they can provide some 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 of that, great. But it's got to start up the middle. And then, of course, on the outside, Notre Dame's got game records a corner. You've in and and, and that, that has played a big role in Xavier Watts' success. Why, why is Xavier Watts continue to make interceptions? Well, big part of it is because Teams throw over the middle a lot more because they don't want to throw the corners, and so most. I mean, I think the only interception Xavier Watts has had helping in coverage is, is as far as outside is the one he had last week against uh, against Pitt, and that was because Notre Dame's two starting corners were out, and Pitt's like, ah, oh, let's take a deep shot outside. and have two starting corners. Christian Gray played played it, played it beautifully. Xavier came over top and picked it off. But everything else has been over the middle. Well, teams thrown over the middle because of how good the outside is. You've got to keep that going in this game. Benjamin Morrison, obviously, with the quad injury, that's concerning. Cam Hart hurt his elbow. He should be okay. But I'm a little nervous about those two guys not being 100% in this game. Because when I look at Clemson, you know their receiving core reminds me a lot of Notre Names. There's talented kids that I like. I love Adam Randall as a talent. He is a true sophomore. That He's a top 100 recruit for me. He's a very talented kid. Clemson just hasn't been able to figure out how to get him going. They just haven't been able to do that like Notre Dame with Tobias Merriweather. Just haven't been able to figure out how to get Adam Randall to be a bigger part of their offense. He's only got 11 catches for 135 yards, but he's a guy that concerns me a little bit because he has a chance to be that kind of guy. Made a great play on the sideline against Florida State in their game. You, You talk about you know, Bo Collins has a, been a good player, but he's a big, tall guy that can make plays one-on-one. Tyler Brown in space, he made a huge play uh, over the middle to set up a score against Florida State where he got free on a, on a play. Jake Brenningstuhl is a really talented player at tight end that, that concerns me a little bit. But your outside, that's more of an inside matchup, but your outside guys, Bo Collins, Adam Randall, guys like that, Troy Stilato, when he's outside, your corners have to lock him down. And then that leads to the last guy. Xavier Watts has to keep being a playmaker. Now, I don't expect him to have two interceptions again, but he's a guy that has to be disruptive. He has to be disruptive in the run game. He has to be disruptive covering the tight end. That's where Jake Brenningstool comes into play because that's a very talented football player, and they're going to look to get him the football. There's no doubt about that. He had eight catches for 93 yards against NC State. He had five catches for 126 yards and two touchdowns against Miami. The kid, he had three for 47 against Florida State. This is a kid that, when their pass game is going, Jake Brenningstool is a big part of it. Xavier's going to have a role in limiting that, as well as Will Marist. But Mar- he has to be good in the run game. He has to be good in the run game, Xavier Watts. He he he's going to get in space against Phil Maffa and Cade Klubnick. And if Will Shipley plays, Will Shipley, uh, Dominique Thomas, I believe, is their other running back who will play. If uh, let me just go, I think it's I think that's who it is. Let me just check real quick. It's uh, yeah, Dominic Thomas is their next running back. If Will Shipley doesn't play, he'll rotate in. But Phil Moffa will be the dude. You're going to get him in space. Got to bring him down. You know, Tyler Brown's going to get in space. Troy Stiletto's going to get in space. Their running backs are going to get in space a lot in the past game as well. Uh, their two running backs this season combined have um, it's a lot of so 20, 35 catches from their two starting running backs this season. And, and so you're, they're going to get those guys in space. So Xavier's going to have to be a big game. And then if they do some things over the top, then – you know, you go make those plays and, and you'll be in a good place and 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 break them down. But those perimeter guys have been game wreckers all year. The corners and Xavier Watts and Xavier's now – Xavier's been pretty good all year, but he's been more consistent in recent games. That's got to continue. So Notre Dame has a lot of potential game wreckers against Clemson. So not all of them have to step up, but you need a chunk of them. You're, you're going to need your D tackles. You're going to need at least one of your corners to make a big play. You're going to need Xavier to make big plays. And big plays aren't always turnovers. Big plays are sometimes – You know, it's second and nine, and it's you versus Will Shipley or Phil Moffin's space, and you bring him down for a three-yard gain for third and six as opposed to let him make you miss, and he moves the chains or gets it to be third and one, and they're able to move the chains. Those are big plays too. They're not as sexy, but they're a huge, huge important part of this game, and that's going to be a big, big part of this matchup for Notre Dame. So the corners and Xavier Watts are the other game wreckers they're gonna have the biggest impact. So here's the question. we'll end it. We'll end this section with this. If Notre Dame is going to win, as I said, the game, they're gonna to have to have game wreckers emerge. And the games they've lost to Clemson doesn't happen. In the games they've beaten Clemson, as I pointed out, offensively, defensively, and on special teams, guys come up, step up, and wreck the game, take over and and make the plays needed to win. Who will those guys be for Notre Dame in this game? Who's going to step up on offense against a really good Clemson defense? I don't know the answer to that. Who's going to be the guys to step up on defense and make the plays like Jeremiah Koromoa made in 2020? Uh, like last year, we saw guys make. Benjamin Morrison made on defense last year. J.D. Bertrand was a monster against Clemson last year. Can he be that guy again? The interior guys were very good against Clemson last year. Can they be that again? Those are the questions that we're going to find out about this game. But I'm going to tell you, I don't think Notre Dame can win this game if game wreckers don't step up on both sides of the ball. It's imperative, and we're going to find out if they can do that. We're going to find out who they are, and and if they step up, then this is going to be a fun day for Notre Dame. If they don't step up, then we could see Notre Dame being for a battle. And you do not want to be in a close game in the fourth quarter against Clemson at Clemson. You just you just don't want to be there. If you get there. We're now back to those same guys. Can you be that player? Can you step up and get the job done? That's going to be a big, big, big part of this game. So we're going to move on to the next section. I'm actually going to, I, I am going to talk about a little bit about recruiting next, and I'm just going to do that for about 10 minutes or so. And then we're going to move on to breaking down the final game. So I'm going to bring up the the sound here for a little bit, The, the theme music. While I do that, if y'all could do me a favor, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, and I'll be back here in a minute with part three of the Irish Breakdown Midweek Rundown.